Well, we're in our second week at taking a look at some common platitudes that we often repeat um, and treat as if uh, they are fact and the truth. Uh, Last week, we took a look at uh, this uh, saying that we often use, uh, everything happens for a reason. And we acknowledged as we looked at that, yes, everything does happen for a reason, but it's not necessarily because of God. Sometimes bad things happen because of our own foolishness. And we learned that what Scripture does say is that despite circumstances, that God is with us and that God never abandons us. This week, we're going to take a closer look at another platitude. It is, uh, again, a phrase that we use often. It is probably the one I like the least, as uh, Kobe and Don can tell you. Um, I cringe when um, I hear this phrase used and it's been banned from the office, right? Okay. Um, this, uh, this idea uh, or this saying that God has a plan for our life. Now, there may be many of you who are like, what is the pastor's problem? What do you mean that that has been banned from the office? Are you telling us God doesn't have a plan for our life? Well, yes and no. It depends on what you mean when you use that phrase. But I think often when folks say God has a plan for your life, it's used in a couple of different contexts. It's used often um, in place of um, everything happens for a reason. I guess we get tired of that one. And so when something bad happens to somebody else, uh, we say something like, don't worry. It's part of God's plan for your life or God has a plan for your life. You'll see how he'll use this as a part of his plan for your life. Now, we also use it in uh, another context. We, we sometimes use it um, in reference to our own lives. We sometimes use it um, when we're looking to make a big decision about where to move or what job to take or where to go to school or, or something like that. We uh, often talk about either seeking to find God's will or seeking to discover God's plan for our life as if we are worried that if we make the wrong decision, we'll no longer be following this blueprint that God has for our life. And so we talk about uh, God having a plan for our life and our need to, to find and discover this path. Now, now, my real issue with this, I, I do believe that God has a purpose for our lives. My real issue with this is often when we talk uh, about God having a plan for our life, what we mean is that God has a blueprint for our life. God has planned every detail of our life, um, I guess down to the, uh, what we had for breakfast this morning, if you listen to some folks. We get this idea that that God has this blueprint for our lives, this detailed, very specific plan that we are supposed to follow. Or if you're like some people, we just assume that whatever we did is a part of God's plan. and, And we talk about God's plan as if it's been predetermined what we will do and there's nothing we can do. Uh, to do anything differently. And we talk about God's plan in the context of, well, 
that must have been part of God's plan for my life because it happened. Folks, such an idea is not Christianity, but that is fatalism. The idea that whatever is going to happen in the world will happen in the world regardless of what I do or regardless of what somebody else does. That's what we call fatalism, not Christianity. God, I don't believe, has a blueprint for our lives. And would we really want a blueprint? I mean, think about it now. A blueprint, the way a blueprint works, if you're familiar with blueprints, is if you don't go by the blueprint, if you build a building and you deviate from the blueprint, you risk the whole building falling down. One small mistake could cause the whole building to come crashing down. Is that indeed how God operates in the world? Well, I want to suggest that we might find some answers if we take a look at Scripture. And I would like to read a passage from Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Uh, this is a, a parable that Jesus uh, told uh, to his disciples. And so beginning in verse 24 of chapter 13, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in the field. While people were sleeping, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the landowner, they came and they said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it that it has weeds? And the landowner responded, an enemy has done this. But the, uh, and so the servant said, well, do you want us to go and gather them up and, and, and pull them out? And the landowner said, no, nope, because if you gather the weeds, you might pull up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow side by side until the harvest. And at that time, I will say to the harvest, first gather the weeds and then gather the wheat into my barn." Those with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day. Notice in this parable that the landowner who is supposed to represent God, at least that's how I understand the parable, and in fact later in that same chapter, Jesus unpacks this particular parable for the disciples and he says the landowner is God. The landowner has planted these good seeds. And when they're not looking, someone else comes along and plants seeds that give rise to weeds. Notice that the landowner in this parable does not say when they come and they say, how did this happen? The, the landowner doesn't say, don't worry, it's a part of my plan. I wanted those weeds there, and so while you weren't looking, I planted weeds along with the good wheat. There is no suggestion in this parable uh, that the landowner or that, the, that, that God, that the weeds were a part of the plan. And in fact, what we see then, so then the servants say, well, then we better get rid of the weeds, right? We better get rid of these if they aren't a, a part of, of how you intended the garden to be. And God says, well, we're going to shift the game plan a little bit because now we have these weeds. 
rather than digging the weeds up and risking um, taking out some of the good wheat, we're just going to let them grow side by side until they reach maturity. Now, I don't know how we read this passage and other passages and think that God has a blueprint for our lives. I don't know how we think that everything that happens in our life is a part of God's plan and detailed uh, specific for us when we hear this. No, God says an enemy must have planted the weeds. They are not a part of my good intentions. Now, I don't know about you, but that is good news, I think. Not because the weeds are there, but because when I look around at the world, I cannot believe that God wants everything that is happening in the world to happen as it is. And so this story gives me uh, this sense of knowing, no, the world is in fact not as God intended it to be. There are forces at work against God's will, against God's purposes. And so to me, that is a good news. The other part of the good news is to know that God continues to work toward his purposes, that the weeds in the field are not going to deter him from taking in the harvest. Do you hear the good news in that this day? You see, it seems to me that that when we say, I'm okay if you want to say God has a plan, if you mean, in essence, that God has a game plan, but not a blueprint. Because I think that is true. God does have a purpose. Over and over and over in Scripture, we see that. But it is important, I think, for us not to talk about God having a blueprint. Again, like everything happens for a reason, it can have a negative impact on the lives and the faith of everyone. It can also sometimes paralyze us when we have a big decision to make and we get overly concerned about trying to make sure we don't take a misstep. Because I think it seems to me like God gives us much flexibility in deciding how to live faithful to his calling in this world. It's possible that God doesn't really care which job you take. I know some of you are probably like pulling your hair out, maybe even screaming that the pastor could say such a thing. But I think that it is true. You see, I do not think that God has a blueprint for our lives. But I do think that God has a purpose. And I promised you I would tell you what God's purpose is for your life, right? And so I just want, how is it that we know what God's purpose is? I really like this idea of God's purpose or plan in terms of a game plan. You see, when you, when you know the game plan in football, it's to get the, get the ball across the end zone, right? Or to keep the other team from getting the ball. You know that if the play doesn't go exactly like it was drawn up, you still need to move toward that purpose and that goal. But here's the problem. 
if you don't read the playbook, then you don't even know what the game plan is. You see, if we want to know what God's purpose for our lives are, we have to read the playbook. We have to be familiar with God's word and God's story and how God has worked in the past and how God worked through Jesus and how God works in the present. There's plenty of scriptures that help us understand what God's purpose is. Let me just read a few. Micah 6, 6 through 8. What should, uh, with what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burned offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with many torrents of oil? Should I give my oldest child for the crime, the fruit of my body, for the sin of the spirit? And the prophet says, he, God, has told you, human one, what is good. What the Lord requires from you is to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, beginning in verse 15, So be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's plan, the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to the Lord for everything. Do everything in the name of the Lord and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. And then in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. You see, there are scripture after scripture that tell us what God's purpose for our lives are. God wants us to participate in justice. God wants us to be compassionate toward one another. God wants us to walk humbly with, with Christ. God wants us to live wisely and to be filled with the Spirit, to give thanks, to rejoice, to pray, to be kind and patient with one another. These are the things and the purposes that God has for our life. God wants us to be transformed, uh, wants us to once again live out of the image of God that has been planted within us and to allow that image of Christ to shine through our lives. God wants us to live in union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and each other over and over and over again in Scripture. In the playbook, God makes it clear what his purpose is. And so I find it ironic. I find it ironic that, that when it comes to making a major decision, uh, we, we fret over what God wants us to do. We pray and we ask God to show us a direction and what job to take or what school to go to. Now, now don't get me wrong. It's, it's always good to take those things to God. Uh, yet, I, I see how some folks fret about that, and, and they don't ever fret about their everyday life. You see, 
if we want to live according to the purposes of God, we'll read the playbook and we will obey and put into practice those things that God has already shown us are a part of his, his will and his purposes. We will put those into practice in our everyday lives. And I don't know about you, but I have found that when I put those things into practice in the small things and in the everyday life, when it comes to major decisions, I have a much greater sense of peace that God is present in that decision. And that regardless of that decision, God will be present in me working to bring about his good purposes. See, God invites us uh, to know the playbook, to put into practice those things that we already know. And I think part of understanding God's purpose is sometimes we just need to relax. We need to relax and not worry that God um, has every detail of our life that we're supposed to do exactly this or exactly that. We need to relax and realize God has given us much freedom. You see, I don't think in most instances that God cares whether or not you live in Cameron, Missouri, or whether you live in St. Louis, Missouri. What God cares about is how you live your life wherever you are. Sometimes I don't think God cares in particular what job that we are working. As long as we do that job and we work, and how we work in that job, and how we honor God through what we do. And I certainly don't think that God has one man or woman out there that we are supposed to marry, and if we miss the boat, tough luck, we get second or third, third choice. I think what God is more interested in is whether or not we are the best spouse we can be to the one whom we are married to. Two. I don't know, when I read Scripture, that seems to be clear to me. You see, God has a purpose and a game plan for our lives. He spelled it out. It's not hard to find. It's not elusive. And so we need to stop talking as if God has this blueprint, this exact, direct, specific things that we are supposed to do and fret over those. And instead, we ought to be fretting about whether or not we're reading the game plan and living our daily lives in accordance with what God has already revealed to us. And the good news is, when we get it wrong, when we take a misstep, when we sow weeds, God is patient. And God creates new possibilities and new paths forward so that His good purposes indeed might continue. His good purposes that more and more people might be brought into union with Father and Son and Holy Spirit and with His body here on earth. That more and more people might connect with God and each other might grow in their faith and their relationship with God and each other and might go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of other people. May we embrace that purpose and may we live it each and every day. Amen.